3: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: Well, business man. Lots of other people made fortunes off of just his ideas. Right. But he wasn't able to manage himself and manage his business in such a way to do that. So, folks, this is Real Estate Talk with Bob and Randy. Randy. And we'll be back next Thursday from 3 to 4. Stay tuned.
1: You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind.
4: I'm Jen Lesher, CNBC Radio. The Dow is up 40 points and Aztec higher by 5. Stocks are building on Wednesday's gains. Traders are encouraged by a pickup in retail sales in May. They rose 1.2%. Jobless claims rose 2,000 last week. Transportation is up about 1% with railroads leading the way. CSX is up nearly 4%. Household borrowing is slowed to a 2.2% annual rate, the slowest pace since the fourth quarter in 2013. Sprint will use a new kind of forest-friendly paper for customer mailings in the coming months. It'll be made of wheat straw. It won't look or feel different, but it will help reduce Sprint's environmental impact. Mercedes-Benz says it will step up efforts to cut costs so it can catch up with its more profitable rivals, Audi and BMW. And France wants to develop wine tours in its countryside as it seeks to retain its position as the top tourist destination in the world. John Lesher, CNBC Radio. Have
1: you had trouble with online dating? This is eHarmony founder, Dr. Neil Clark Warren. We've created a new solution, EH+. E-H-Plus combines the personal attention of a matchmaker with eHarmony's extensive pool of great singles. E-H-Plus gives you hand-selected matches and freedom from being online. Get started today. Call 855-930-LOVE. That's 855-930-L-O-V-E.
2: Do you want to learn how to steal customer credit card information from major retailers so you can buy anything you want? Well, we
3: can't help you with that. But among the many IT problems we solve, Barracuda's award-winning firewalls prevent hackers from taking your valuable data to the bank. Reclaim your network like 150,000 other businesses have. To learn more about protecting customer data and your reputation, visit barracuda.com firewalls.
1: Is your radio station dull and boring like most corporate-owned stations on the dial? Then it's time to tune to KCAA 1050 AM. It will blow your mind and maybe expand it, too. KCAA is your independently-owned go-to station in the Inland Empire. It's a veritable cornucopia of crazy, an assemblage of awesome and cool, and it's a little weird, too. KCAA pumps out more local and national radio each week than most major networks while offering CNBC business news headlines during the week and NBC Sports News on weekends. KCAA is unique, interesting, quirky, and sometimes outlandishly crazy, which adds up to a high volume of awesome. And for you audiophiles, KCAA delivers FM sound quality to our transmitter, which is why KCAA is the best-sounding AM station on the dial. So make your day with KCAA and find us online at kcaaradio.com. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind.
0: Good afternoon. It's a couple minutes after the hour. I'm Di Rice with the latest in local news on KCAA 1050 AM. A Temecula teen charged with murder in the shooting of a 15-year-old in Lake Elsinore had been in trouble with the law before. Brian Jawad, 16 of Temecula, is now charged as an adult with murder and one count of possession of a stolen gun. He is being held at Juvenile Hall in French Valley with a bail set at $2 million. His arraignment is scheduled June 16th. Jawad is accused of fatally shooting his 15-year-old friend, Gage Seal of Temecula, at a Lake Elsinore motel on May 31st. Gage was a skateboarder and a baseball player and a student at Temecula Valley High. Details of the crime cannot be discussed, but if convicted, Jawad could receive 40 years to life in prison. And after the passage of AB 109 realignment, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department was forced to release 28,742 inmates early in order to remain in compliance with a federal court order. April 2015 represented an all-time high of over 28%, or approximately 1,100 beds once available for county inmates, now being occupied by long-term AB-109 realignment inmates, resulting in the early release of 2,006 inmates since the passage of Prop 47 in November of 2014. Inland Empire weather, more clouds, highs tomorrow 84, overnight lows 63. Currently it's about 82 here in San Bernardino. That is the latest with news on KCAA 1050 AM. This report has been brought to you by the Foundation for a Better Life. Winston Churchill's words stirred his country in the face of defeat. Today, they inspire us to reach for our own victories. Commitment, pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life, at values.com.
4: It's Mike Manahan, host of Biz Rap Radio, the show all about small business and entrepreneurs. Join me every Friday at 3 p.m. right here on KCAA Radio.
3: Welcome to Smart Health Talk with your host, Elaine McFadden.
5: Welcome to Smart Health Talk Radio Show. That's right, everyone. You're listening to Smart Health Talk right here on KCAA, 1050 AM. And I hope you're going to be with us for the whole show. Please don't leave because we've got a great show planned for you. And trust me, we put a lot into this. So um, we want you to be here for the whole show. And um, I also, I... uh, I just want to let you know that we have some uh, important announcements as well that we're going to be giving you, and uh, sorry, we're trying to get my, my microphone to work here, can't, can't hear my headphones, testing, testing, okay, there we go, now I can hear, okay, that helps a lot, everyone, thanks for the great staff we have here at KCA, KCA. thank you, everyone, woo, yeah, all right, right to the rescue. It's nice to have people you can depend on, isn't it? And you know what? If you're listening to KCA, then I think you might know a little something about us. and You might know that, hey, we're a radio station you can depend on to give you the truth. Because that's what we're here for. Um, this is not a one of those big mega media stations where people get censored. No, we get to bring it all to you right here. And that's what we're going to be doing today with our guest who is from the California Center for Public Health Advocacy. And we are going to be talking about a really special uh, warning label that is now going to be showing up in San Francisco. And this is big. I mean, big, big, big. How big is soda? Okay? That's how big we're talking here. Okay, you know soda's a big deal. Who has like, you know, big old chunk of the money that they make. But you know what? what's happening to the soda companies? Sales are going... That's right. They're going downhill. And those sales are slumping off. And there's a lot of panic mode going on there. Because what's happened? What's happened? Well, people are getting wise. That's right. Because you know what happened along the line here? Uh, we, I mean, what did soda used to be? I mean, we're talking, let's go way back. Let's go way, way back to like root beer. And we're not going to talk about the cocaine coke. Okay, <laughs> Soda, we're going to talk about like, um, things like root beer, which actually root beer was made as a healing tool. And it had all kinds of great herbs in there, and they'd put it in a barrel and they'd ferment it. So it was good for your gut, too. And it was a, it was a good drink. But, you know, what is root beer today? It's nothing but a bunch of chemicals and high fructose corn syrup or artificial flavor. I mean, there's no healing properties in there. We're talking the total opposite. And we're going to be talking about why the people in San Francisco were so compelled to pass an ordinance in their city that is going to require some major, major signage from the soda companies. And we're talking big old giant warning signs. That's right. Warning, warning, warning. And I am so happy to hear this. I mean, you're listening to a dietitian that fought for five years to get sodas out of schools when no one even knew what was going on. And trust me, nobody was happy about it. The people that you would think would be happy about it, that are taking care of our kids, principals, school food service directors, school board members, do you think they were receptive to the idea of getting rid of soda and replacing it with healthier choices? Heck no. And why was that? Oh, well, that was because that was like some darn good money that they're making from that soda. That's right. High profit margin for the school district. And something that is going on in schools all over the country that is so wrong that I learned after five years of being in there on campus is the food service department is actually supposed to be making money for the school district. That's right. They got to pull it. They got to take up the slack for the school district. Uh, they need some money. Uh, they want they want the food service department to make that for them and how they got to make that off high profit margin products like chips and soda. And that's what I saw high school kids eating every single day, a bag of hot Cheetos, 750 calories with a 250-calorie soda. And we're talking trans fats, chemicals, excitogens. We got high fructose corn syrup. We got caramel color. We got, like, just a little bit of everything there that is, like, no good. No good. Um, And we expect our children to concentrate in the classroom and learn. And how can their brain work when that's what they're running on? I'm telling you, it was the most upsetting thing to see nothing but a sea of chips and soda, and to have the food service department to be okay with it, because it's making money. Doesn't matter that they're making money at, uh, off the expense of our children's health. And I had had dentist uh, tell me that I need to quit uh, serving soda to my children when because they had cavities, and I'm trying to explain to them I do not buy soda. Um, But it's all over the campus. We counted, I mean, we are talking like there could easily be a 100 vending machines on one high school campus. And they would be packed full of soda. There would be hardly any water. The water would be on the bottom. The water would be the first to go. And it would not get refilled because that's just the way they want it. They want to create a Pepsi drinker or a Coke drinker, and that's why the soda companies paid big money. We're talking even in the millions of dollars with school districts like Los Angeles, New York City, to have the right to sell exclusive to all their students because they know if I get them when they're young, they're going to become loyal Pepsi drinkers or loyal Coke drinkers. And they were willing to spend the money. And it was amazing. There was a really good Darla, which is on MTV, a good um, television show about high school students. And it was absolutely hilarious because it was so true. Uh, An episode that they did on the soda industry, infiltrating our school system. And it's pretty much they had, they have a contract. And in that contract, when if the school district wants to get all that money from the soda companies, they got to sell, sell, sell. That's right, sell that soda, sell that soda, sell that soda. And I tell you, boy, everyone was on board for that, boy. Push the soda. Hey, and I I would be there right there at the, at the, uh, while they're, while they're serving the kids lunch. Would you like a soda with that? Would you like it? I never would hear, would you like a water with that? I would always hear, would you like a soda with that? So we have to ask, do we want our school food service directors pushing soda on our kids? Well, the thing was, they were not going to give it up, and that's why people like the California Policy California Center for Food, um, excuse me, California Center for Food Policy Advocates they um, they are they were working for years and years here on the whole soda issue because even after five years of all that work, we we left a lot of loopholes, we left a lot of things undone. There were still all kinds of sports drinks, uh, fruit juice drinks that are nothing but full of pesticides and sugar, and even, you know, they could substitute, um, uh, some of them, you know, used to have high fructose corn syrup. I'm not sure what happened afterwards, but I know that they were still selling sports drinks, and today we're going to be talking about why these drinks um, have such negative consequences. There are so many different...
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: Different levels of wrong to these drinks. And I'm going to go through them. And I'm also going to be, we're going to talk about tactics um, that are being used by these companies to manipulate your mind. Oh, Yeah. They are willing to well look at the commercials, you know. I love I love the end of Mad Men. <laughs> it was great. I'd like to teach the world to sing. That was a classic. That actually was a really good commercial, <laughs> and I love that song. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did, I really did love that song. They were they hit the nail on the head with that. But um, there is a, there you know the the thing is they are good. These people are good at getting us to do something that goes against all logic and that we know is bad for us. And uh, we're still willing to buy into it just because we were told. And I really want to encourage everyone to start teaching your kids some critical thinking skills. Get them to question. Uh, you question in front of them the commercials that they're seeing, uh, the the things that people are telling them to do that's supposed to be good for them. Uh we need we can't let our children just go around and do what is put in front of them because these there are so many things that are being put in front of our kids that are not good for them, that are strictly there for marketing purposes and to get them to become loyal customers of a product that is not designed to make them healthy in any way, shape, or form. And so there's a lot going on um, with the whole beverage industry. And the thing is, the the action that's being taken in San Francisco, when we start looking at a little bit of the history that led up to this, we, we start to get a good comprehension of why... This decision was made, why this legislation was passed, why this city is willing to take such desperate action. And this is not a selfless act by any means. This is an act that is trying to protect the innocent out there, the innocent that is being exposed to all of this advertising, um, like I was just talking about, um, and just the presence sometimes of these sodas being right there on school campuses. And what um, was upsetting to me as I felt like that's the message that we were giving parents where the, the products that were sold on school campuses were approved for home use as well. And it was a really bad message. And I'm so glad that we've got people that have tirelessly went and not given up. They just keep fighting and fighting and say, you know, we're okay. So we had a couple losses along the way, <laughs> a couple setbacks that's okay, because we care about kids. We care about their health. We care about this country. We care about the, the health care burden that we're creating with an epidemic of obesity, type 2 diabetes. These are people that see the light. They know what's going on. And so we have to look to them for guidance, and we have to listen, um, because this is this is big time stuff this is, this is taking us down a road that we can choose to go one way or another and if we choose the right road we can be looking at good health we can be looking at more money for prevention less money for having to take care of all these diseases and we can look at healthy happy kids that are not looking in a lifetime of diabetes I mean did I make you want to at least stay for the rest of the show I hope so <laughs> I hope I didn't bum you out because we have a light here. We have a light that's shining. Um, things are starting to happen. It's actually exciting. <laughs> this is actually one of the most exciting times. And I just I, I see we've got our guest on the line. Is that right, Joe? Okay. And and who's who's calling in? Charlotte. Okay. We got Charlotte. Um, and I want to welcome her to Smart Health Talk. Hey, Charlotte. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I work for the
6: California Center for Public Health Advocacy. We've been uh, working to raise the um, level of awareness and knowledge about the impact of sugary drinks on our kids and have been working with uh, the state legislature and with localities to do something because it is government's role to protect the health. Uh, in safety of of residents?
5: Well, yeah, because, um, you know, if if not, who is, you know? And uh, unfortunately, when I was working at School District, Charlotte, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for joining us, too. I really could use some help with explaining all this stuff. And you guys are the experts and all the experience. And I just, you know, I love to have you as part of the show to help me Get get through to our listeners on uh, the importance, but not not just the importance, but to be aware and also to know what steps that they can take personally. Which we'll try and get through all those things today on the show. And I just you know I just want to thank you guys for just um, your tireless effort because I know this soda fight has been a long one, hasn't it?
6: <laughs> it sure has, and we just take um, a lot of our cues from the very successful. Fight that tobacco advocates um, took on with the tobacco industry. And we know that, you know, we're early in our movement. We now have science that shows that soda is a harmful product. It's not a helpful product, and it's not a benign product. But drinks with sugary added sugar are harmful, particularly to our kids. And so, that's where we are now, and we will be um, continuing to educate the public and advocate for, for uh, policies that protect children's health and promote consumer awareness. With the ordinances that were adopted in San Francisco, the one that requires the warning label, On advertising, really follows the tradition of consumer protection. We have many, many laws in this country, and we have a long tradition of making sure that consumers are aware of the hazards of particular products, so that they can make their own decisions. And this this policy really follows in that tradition.
5: Sure. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Very excited. Well, I yeah. yes, I am very excited too. I really want to thank San Francisco. Whoa, whoa, and uh, we we will be taking a little uh, minute break here in a, in a few minutes to salute San Francisco and this win that we have had, uh, and with a with a with a song to celebrate. So not quite yet. We're gonna we're gonna get it uh, get in here with Charlotte a little bit. So we kind of will appreciate it even more on all the work that has been done because I know this has been you know we talk about oh this was passed and when you when you start to backtrack on everything that had to happen for that for that to happen um you see just a trail of work by many many people um along the line that have made that happen is that is that the way you look at it charlotte I think so and I really want to call
6: out the, the public health department and all of the advocates over in San Francisco who for a number of years have just been raising the alarm about just how much sugar, added sugar there are, there is in many of the beverages that are advertised heavily to kids. Whether it be some of the, you know, better known brands of soda, to sports drinks, to some of our fruit punches, some of the, the quote-unquote juices that really aren't juices but are, is just sugar water. And I, I really want to commend the work of the public health department um, around letting people know that in an average soda, an average 12-ounce soda, there's 10 teaspoons of sugar and in a twenty-ounce soda, which has become the norm, yeah, that is it's the norm. A soda or a sports drink, there's sixteen teaspoons of sugar, and left to our own devices, none of us is going to put ten to sixteen teaspoons of sugar in our iced tea or in our lemonade, and and just beginning to raise awareness around what's really in these beverages, and then beginning to. To let people know that there there are alternatives like water, like low fat milk, and um, then moving from from that education of the public to then say, you know, what is it that we can do policy wise to really get this information out and to create an environment where it's just a heck of a lot easier to. to and I'm thinking about a heck of a lot easier to to get water. Uh, low fat milk, small amounts of juice and and that the the latter comment speaks to the policies that the board of supervisors adopted, saying you know we're not going to spend our money our our city money on sugary beverages we're just not going to do that. we need to protect the health of our residents we're not going to give people hazardous products um, and also to Take the advertising away um, in the city, so that people just aren't exposed to that those cues. Um, and so, yes, it's been a it's been a long fight. there have been a lot of public health advocates over there, um, and then supervise and certainly the supervisors, uh, supervisors Cohen, Marr, and Weiner, who have championed policies over a long period of time. They did an excellent job. With, this, uh, with these ordinances, and they were passed unanimously by the Board of Supervisors. So there are a lot of people over in San Francisco who can take a lot of credit um, for these cutting-edge, innovative uh, policies that are really going to make a difference for children's health.
5: Well, okay, that okay, get ready, Joe, because I think this is the time that, that was that was so great, Charlotte, I loved it, and yes, we need to give all those people credit, and we thank you, uh Cohen Mar, and Weiner for all of your efforts out there um as our representatives fighting for Um, Legislation to be passed That's actually for the people for a change How about that And I just really want to thank you for that And so let's have a little celebration here Because we want to thank These these, uh, legislators And all the people that work for this legislation And guess what, we had a win We had a win Everyone, against big corporate So don't think it can't be done Hit it, Joe That's right
4: your balls are breaking down It's mm-hmm. time you had a taste of losing mm-hmm. Time the tables turned around That's Did right See a glimpse of recognition Woo! But it's
2: too
5: little
4: it's too, late. it's too late And what you thought was your, your best decision
5: Just became your, your worst mistake, mistake.
4: One of me is wiser.
5: We're wiser we're stronger everyone we're fighters and there's a thousand faces of us that are saying no to soda Send my congratulations over to Jackson County, Oregon, who was also a guest on Smart Health Talk. And they took on Monsanto and all the other biotech companies and passed a non GMO ordinance for their entire county. They were bombarded with commercial after commercial after commercial, a million dollar advertising campaign threatening the residents of Jackson County that they were going to have to spend money, that they were never going to be able to eat strawberries again, and every other cockamamie idea that they could use to try to get people to vote it down. But no, the 60% of them said, no GMOs in our county. We've had it. And then they were challenged and had to go to court. And the judge said, you guys can have your ordinance. So woo-hoo. And I'm telling you, Charlotte, what you guys are doing, what San Francisco's doing, what Jackson County, Oregon is doing, standing up for their rights saying, no, you can't force us to breathe pesticides and eat GMOs. You can't force this stuff down our throat. You can't keep pushing this advertising on our kids and trying to brainwash them into making these choices that are bad for their health. And I I have to just share one quick thing with you, Charlotte. I will never forget in my time with Project Lean, working over at the high school, having a 19-year-old girl... Uh, cry uh, to me with tears in her eyes telling me that she had just been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And I can still see her face.
3: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll
5: And I will never forget, you know, and she even told me, she goes, Elaine, I know, I know it was from all the junk foods I was eating at school and at home. And she says, I, you know, I let myself get overweight, and I let my health go down the toilet. And that's why this happened to me. But you know, was it really all her fault? Really?
6: Well, I think, yeah, I think it wasn't her fault. And when I give talks around the state, and I work a lot with local elected officials, so city councilors, mayors, um, and their staff. And when I talk about this issue, I talk a lot about how it's very, very hard not to gain weight, not to eat an unhealthy diet, because the cues in our environment, the advertising, and then the the, the products that are most readily available – tend to be the unhealthy products. So when I think about this, people aren't doing anything wrong when they kind of follow the cues and eat the food that's available to them, um, and they're going to gain weight. And, and unfortunately, we have a situation where, you know, not only are kids, are kids being diagnosed with diabetes, we have this terrible statistic over the last 10 years Teens in the U.S. who have diabetes or pre-diabetes have increased from 9% to 23%. So we have 23%. That's nearly a quarter of all of our teens either have diabetes or are going to get
5: diabetes. Wow. And that's oh my because gosh. they're just
6: doing what the... What the what the social norms tell them to do? Or they live in a neighborhood where there is no healthy food and they're drinking a lot of soda. I wanted to just bring a statistic from Riverside County, which is your county. Um, in one of our studies from the California Center for Public Health Advocacy, we looked at what are – Uh, What are teens saying? What are youths saying, actually, ages 2 to 17? So that's a combination of parents and kids. You know, how much sugary drinks are they consuming? Well, in Riverside County, you have 47% of children ages 2 to 17 drinking one or more sugar-sweetened beverage per day. One or more per day, and we know what that does. What that does is that it increases risks of diabetes by 26%. And then the next thing it does, if it goes on for six months, is that it leads to fatty liver. And the the shocking fact that I've just learned is that kids' livers today look like those of an alcoholic. Kids are being diagnosed with fatty liver disease, and fatty liver disease is one of the causes of diabetes. So here's a disease, fatty liver disease, that was once reserved for alcoholics. You know, alcoholics. and spur spurlock got it, and and we're now (laughs) seeing it in kids, and it's directly linked to their soda
5: consumption. Wow. That, what, you so, know, and like yeah. what, what, what kind of thing is that to like put on a kid? You know, don't they have a right to just be healthy, just to be a healthy kid and go into adulthood without 10 strikes against them for their health to start off? I mean, it's just so upsetting. And then I, I get this, get this stat, Charlotte. One gallon of insulin, $36,000. So you know the drug companies are loving it right. they 're like yeah thirty right. six 36- and all you know how they make that? They make that with little bacteria, GMO bacteria that just sits there in these giant vats, pooping out um, what they need to to process to make insulin, so you know they they don 't even have to pay anybody. they just like you know got all these bacteria working for them um, to make this insulin. So they got a, they got a pretty good racket going. I'm, you know, they're, they're making a lot of money off us being sick. So, you know, I kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit on the the smoking campaign because I feel like the smoking campaign is a good model for what, you know, like you said, it is, um, what, what you're doing right now with the sodas is, a is actually replicating a model that we know works for public health. And, the warning labels, um, I'd like to point out one thing uh, to, to validate what you said, um, that it is actually very effective. Um, and that is that the warning labels went on cereal boxes in the UK for the artificial flavors and colors that we have in our cereals here in the US. They also had them in the UK. But they passed a law that said, okay, if you're going to have those in there, You have to put a warning because guess what, everyone? Those are risky um, chemicals and uh, artificial colors. Those are risky to put in our body because there is side effects with them that are detrimental to our health. And so they, you know, why else would they ask them to put the warning label unless it was bad? Come on. So they put the warning label and guess what happened? Oh, the cereal company said, we don't want to have the warning label, so we're taking the stuff out. So the UK mm. gets their cereal, doesn't have artificial flavors and colors because they don't want the warning label. That is how effective that warning label is. And that's another reason I am so excited that San Francisco has done this. And just like what happened in Jackson County, Oregon, what happened in San Francisco is scaring the pants out of these companies. The biotech company and the soda company are shaking in their boots right now because they know these little things passed, snowball, and they're replicated by other cities and other uh, counties around the country because that's what happened with smoking on airplanes, smoking in public buildings, um, smoking in bars. Look at what happened. You know, it started off as one simple law passed in California and became something that was passed all over the world. Still people yeah. are passing laws in other countries. They're finally getting to it, you know. We were we were the first ones here in California. So we know that these little things and these companies know that these little laws, the little law in San Francisco. It's one little city, but you know what? Another city is going to go, "Hey, If San Francisco can do that, why can't we do it? And so we're going to see. And this is um, just—I just think this is so incredibly powerful, and it's so positive because it's giving people something they have a right to know. What is what is bad for them? I mean, how how do you guys? um, How do you explain that to people uh, when you're?
6: Well, yeah, what we what we adamantly know. Um, is that, one, and it it gets to what you were just saying, Elaine, one, people need to know. People need to know about the harmful effects of sugary beverage consumption. They need to know that it contributes to obesity, diabetes, and tooth decay. There is a direct link, and they need to know that. But not only do they need to know, they really, really want to know. And when we look at some polling that we were able to do of voters in California when uh, the state legislature was looking at a warning label bill for the entire state. Uh, Senator Monning out of the Central Coast led that effort. Seventy-four percent of all voters polled want to know the information about sugary drinks, and that includes Democrats republicans and tea party members so if you remember earlier on i was talking about how this is a consumer protection consumer right um issue people not only need to know they want to know and they have a right to know and that gets back to what is the function of government the function of government one of the very important functions of government you know written in the declaration of independence written in the constitution is to protect the health and safety of uh, the citizenry, of the residents. And so people need to know, people want to know, and people have a right to know. And when this kind of uh, legislation, for example, the warning label, whether it's at the local level or it's at the state level, um, you know, government should be responding to the need, the need, the want, and the right to know.
5: Because um, that's what they're, you know, they're supposed to be there to help service the people. And the thing is, you know, we're, we're kind of helpless against these companies, really. Um, you know, we, it, the information, you know, how many times have these companies tried to sneak stuff on their label, making health claims that were later, they were told that they had to take it off? So they're, they're willing to push the button, you know, um, as much as they can to probably, excuse me, push the envelope, uh, you know, where they know they're in a gray area and they're making claims they probably shouldn't make. But they'll do it as long as they can get away with it. <laughs> and so it's- Right, and I think, yes, and I
6: think people like you, this show, your listeners, um, all the advocates around the state, those in, in San Francisco and all over... You know, are the ones that are really saying, no, there is an, another way and we aren't going to be helpless in the face of this onslaught of advertising and deception and marketing of harmful products. Because you so, just think
5: that everyone would be smart and just say no, but it, it it doesn't happen that way. Just like when we were working with the schools, you know, I tried to talk to the, the board of supervisors, excuse me, the school board, and it was like, um, you know, they... You know, like you said, low-fat milk or these other alternatives. For me, the the, the best alternative is a a very very low sugar uh, tea, organic tea, mm. uh, because there's so many antioxidants and health properties in organic tea, and there's so many different varieties. And but the thing is, we ruined our kids to liking. A low sugar organic tea, and that's something that you can make at home with a tea bag and save a heck of a lot of money more than these monster drinks and these other really expensive drinks. You could buy practically you know a half a box of tea for like one drink <laughs> and uh, organic tea even. Um, but you know these uh, you know they, then they put um, you know, besides the the uh, sugar, Uh, which we know that there's all kinds of negative things that go along with sugar, which you mentioned, you know, we know the obesity and all that. And like when you say what made me mad was that these kids were drinking, you know, a 250 calorie uh, bottle of soda. Like you said, the 20 ounces now become the norm. That's 250 calories. Well, at 3,500, that's when you gain a pound. And so you know, that's like what four times three, that's like 12, you know, so it's like in two weeks of drinking just one of those 20 ounce sodas a day, you will gain a pound uh, over, you know, like if that's like over your normal calories. And what we show over and over again is people, they don't compensate, they don't compensate even for diet drinks. You know, they choose a diet drink, but then they still eat as many calories, even when they had the diet drink. And I just wanted to spend just a minute on the diet drinks, because that has been a loophole where they've been allowed to offer these aspartame drinks on school campuses. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been allowed to offer the sports drinks. And I know that Anna, uh, the um, Anna from your office and I were trying to figure out, Uh, What is allowed on a school campus right now? Because there was actually an ordinance where they were trying to close that loophole and stop the Mm -hmm. sports drinks from happening. But this aspartame we're finding out more and more and more on the the health risks associated with something that they're putting all over our school campuses this friggin aspartame and we've had Wood, Dr. Woodrow Monte on our show that says it literally the, meth, the methanol breaks up breaks off in the duodendum, which never happens with methanol in food it never leaves the intestine that tiny molecule then is free to go wherever it wants and it goes through the intestine, through the blood-brain barrier, and eats away at the myelin sheath in our brain. And that's just one thing. We're seeing um, another study that just recently came out a couple of months ago, which I thought was fascinating. Because what they did was they found, and this is the big uh, tie-in that we're seeing that ties in with the diabetes, Charlotte. And that is that when When they fed these rats, uh, they had the control with just water, but then they fed other rats where they had the aspartame and I think a couple other sweetener, um, non-calorie sweeteners in there, artificial. And what happened was the mice that got the artificial sweeteners then started getting belly fat. They started becoming glucose intolerant and they started developing metabolic diseases. So this is the kicker. What they did was they destroyed the bacteria in the rats that had the metabolic disease and the metabolic disease and the glucose intolerance went away. So what that says is that the aspartame actually went in and mutated the gut bacteria to turn switches on and off inside that bacteria that then made that bacteria glucose intolerant And it was like a permanent thing so that all the bacteria that were like multiplying were still glucose intolerant. And it was only after they destroyed the um, bacteria that the condition was able to reverse. So I I just thought that was pretty trippy. What do you think about that? Yes,
6: there is there is a lot of um, work going on to try to determine the health impact of diet drinks. What we've been very focused on is is the the consumption of sugary beverages because of the of the known and direct link with obesity and diabetes, and we're very concerned about the uh, teens' consumption of. Sports drinks and now more and more energy drinks, and that's a place where we all should be very concerned: energy drink consumption, with its um, sugar content and also its caffeine content. And so, this these um, ordinances out of San Francisco will address the um, the health risks of sports drinks and of um, the energy drinks, which are a real problem, really being heavily marketed now to um, the the teen population. And make no mistake about it, um, the industry that is profiting off of sugary drinks is is focused on our youth. All of those ads um, are focused at our youth. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on our advertising. I think you were talking about that earlier, Elaine, before before I joined. And so the warning label on the ads in San Francisco, and it's just a whole range of ads, um, of print ads, the kind of ads that you'll see on billboards, at the bus stops, um, in store windows, are going to have uh, a warning label, and that will um, that is a very, very important step to mitigate the the impact of this the advertising of these products, including the the sports drinks and the energy drinks that well we've seen, well, the uh, fact that the city to- I,
5: I want to congratulate the city on putting rules on itself because the city um, is also not allowed to sell any soda on their property or be involved in distribution of soda. And um, well, well, go ahead. Maybe I had that Yeah, wrong. and
6: when you think about it, I was talking earlier with a colleague, you know, cities not only are um, mandated to protect the health of the population, in California, they are also the health care provider of last resort. And so, counties like San Francisco is a city and a county, they are responsible for caring for all of those folks who um, are underinsured or uninsured. And you better believe that a lot of the costs, we know a lot of the costs um, in the healthcare system are related to obesity and diabetes. So from a fiscal point of view, the city... Um, really needs to be looking at its treasury and and seeing that if they are providing sugary beverages to their residents, they're only going to be paying for the the cost of treating those diseases um, later on. And the later on uh, is not later on in middle or old age, as we were talking before about Fatty liver disease and, and type 2 diabetes being diagnosed among kids. It's, you know, it's, it's, the later on is, you know, five years, 10 years. Also, the city and county is responsible for ensuring thousands and thousands of um, employees, employees and their families providing that very important And they have cafeterias. um, They
5: have food service cafeterias where they're serving these drinks. And didn't they even um, say that businesses can no longer serve sodas with kids' meals?
6: Now, um, the the city of Davis uh, just adopted an ordinance that is going to make water and low-fat milk the default option in kids' meals. And what that means is that when a parent goes to either a fast-food restaurant or a parent goes to a sit-down restaurant and orders uh, a, a kid's meal, the beverage is going to be water or milk. Now, if the parent wants to give the kid a soda, if they've decided that, uh, if the parent's decided that the treat you know, of the week is going to be a soda at the pizza parlor and the pizza parlor has a kid's meal, then the parent can certainly choose the soda at no extra cost. But the default option, the automatic option, is going to be water, um, and low fat milk. And and what that does is it really one, supports the parent to give the child the healthy option. We know that most parents really want their kids uh, to be healthy and they're trying very I agree. hard. And and so at the restaurant they go the family goes out to the restaurant, they're celebrating a birthday and the soda comes without any without the parent even wanting it to come. Now the parent will be able to say, Let's get the default option, let's get the milk, let's get the water, or if they want the soda, they can get the soda. But but that is what the city of Davis has recently done. And that's another very, very uh groundbreaking uh policy, very low cost. Not right really on Davis. Right for on. These, for and these um restaurants to reprint their menus. They reprint their menus every six months anyway. And um, what, we, what we know in Davis is that the restaurant community were given plenty of opportunity to comment on this policy, to talk to the city about whether it would create any undue burden, and they were quiet. And, and that's because they want to protect children's health as well. And so the city of Davis created a policy and an opportunity for restaurants that are serving families that are serving kids meals to support kids health. And the fact that they they did not come out and talk about the burden or, you know, disagree, I think really shows that there there's some things that are changing in our society for the positive and that the business community wants to support children's health.
5: Yeah, good for good for the this. food service um, community yeah. in, in Davis. They yeah. re- have really set a great example for the rest of the country and been role models. And we're willing, you know, that's what I love about um, what we're reporting on today. It's, you know, cities, counties. It's, you know, groups of people willing to take a risk. You know, they're they're yeah. willing. You know, they're willing to they they you know they jump into it and go. Okay, well, you know. We're willing to put the, the health of the children above, you know, a little, a few extra bucks or whatever. And I think that that is, is just so commendable. I want to, I want to, we're, uh, we're only have about like seven um, minutes here. And I did want, um, I did want to play an, an excerpt from one of our past uh, shows that we just had a couple of months ago. And we had this, uh, a a guest on our show that was actually, um, he was a scientist, studied for like 11 years um, to go work for the FDA. He worked for the FDA for 30 years. And he was on our show um, with a Jackson County group um, in their fight uh, for the uh, non-GMO, no-GMO crops in their county. And I asked him about what's going on with the sugar, because your fight is against sugary drinks. And I just want people to know what we're talking about when we say a sugary drink. Okay, go ahead, Joe. Now, Ray, I wanted to bring up something because it just it makes my blood boil. Like I had to watch a friggin' Monsanto commercial today, which just like made me want to puke. <laughs> or like oh. uh, like Zed Honeycutt from Moms Across America say like jump up yeah. and punch the television set. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know I see these other commercials too I just want to I've been trying to keep track I want to do like a whole segment Where I just kind of challenge Some of these uh, television commercials That I see for the lies That that are embedded in there uh, But you know Like I see the soda companies Coming out Oh we are You know This is got We're going Getting rid of like They're like it's Oh they should be so proud of themselves They're getting away from high fructose corn syrup And we're putting real sugar in here but, you know, the reality of what this sugar is, is actually these GMO sugar beets that we're talking about. Isn't that correct?
2: Oh, that is absolutely correct. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know of any major corporations in this country that are actually using sugar cane, which would be non-genetically engineered to source their sugar for such things as all of the, you know, billions of dollars of junk foods that are purchased every year uh, by Americans. So let's remind your listeners also, uh, Elaine, when, when uh, we all are talking about uh, sugar beets, genetically engineered sugar beets, uh, they're grown for one purpose. You realize that's a genetically engineered product that is used for commercial sugar production, hence the term sugar beet. And the people that are opposing our efforts here are the sugar producers, the sugar producing corporations. Uh, uh, including uh, candy manufacturers and the and the junk food uh, company. These are the kinds of people that are trying to fight our efforts for a cleaner, better, more wholesome food environment.
5: Okay, well that was um from someone that actually worked for the FDA for thirty years, was um scientist and uh gave us the the lowdown on when we're talking about sugary drinks, we're talking about GMO sugar beets. And so my point with this is that not only... Do we have the fact, we know sugar, that if you eat too much sugar, it actually lowers your white blood cell count, so it can lower your immune system as well. But we're not just talking about sugar as in sugar cane. No, we're talking about GMO sugar beet sugar. So along with everything else, we have the fact that we have a product that has been gen- genetically modified and sprayed with Roundup. And we have had scientists after scientists giving us warning after warning and all the time, we have another study coming out talking about the risks of Roundup, and we've had Rodale on our show saying that it makes us fat. It turns our hormone switches on and off in our body, and again, it is it, it, it actually mutates the gut bacteria, so this is another contributor to the gut bacteria, metabolic syndrome, um, glucose intolerance uh, diseases that are happening from drinking these sodas. And aspartame is also another GMO product. So um, I just wanted to share that as as well. Were you familiar with that, uh, Charlotte?
6: I'm not familiar with that.
5: It is important um, to me because of um, I actually have had the senior scientist from Consumer Reports on my show many times, and I will never forget his words saying, "In three generations, our children are going to be sterile." And he has read more research on pesticides than anyone in the country and been testifying in front of Congress for years and years. So you know, this is the road that we're going down. The precautionary principle says. Why risk it? And yet we we know it's the number one cause of birth defects. That's what pesticides are, the number one cause of birth defects. And it was in breast milk for moms across America, sixteen hundred times higher than allowed in water in Europe. So, you know, this is the we it's the pesticides are getting more concentrated in our environment. They're in the they're also in the foods. And the thing is, parents, these are your kids. Don't be blind to what's happening to them at school. It's easy just to drop them off and say, "Oh, okay, I'm sure you guys are going to do a good job taking care of my child," but that's not always the case. So you have all this experience in dealing with policy and making things happen, Charlotte. We have another like minute and a half here. Give us some, give us some good advice. Uh, passing, if I has one minute, <laughs> give us some good uh, advice as we uh, sign off here to go ahead and take action. <laughs>
6: I think that it's very, very important that people know that they can go and meet with their elected official, whether it's their city council member, their school board member, um, their county supervisor, or their state legislator. Um, It's very, very important that the people listening to this show set up meetings and go and talk with those folks about their concerns you may be surprised that you will find some uh, elected officials who are really interested in, and who want to to do the right thing. And, and then start working with your elected official on policy. Look for the other organizations that are doing similar work in your community. And um, look for examples like the San Francisco example, like the Davis example. There are many examples in Southern California of of um, cities that are are taking soda out of their vending machines, taking soda out of their cafeterias. Um, Draw on those examples.